It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Madeline Burke is going to be on the show today to talk about the Giants because I feel like we haven't had enough time this week dedicated to talking about the Packers' opponent this week, the 2-9 and nine. New York Giants, so we will get to that conversation a little bit later, but let's start with the injury report. Uh, The Packers injury report comes back pretty clean for the Packers, and Brian Bulaga, the big news this week, it was announced or reported that it was an MCL sprain for Bulaga, but he practiced on Friday, and that puts him as questionable heading into the game on Sunday. That means There is a decent chance he can actually play on Sunday, and whether or not that's actually the prudent thing to do, I think, is is certainly a fair question. But when you're the Packers and you're trying to to gain momentum and you're someone like Brian Bulaga, who is a veteran, he is fighting for uh, a, a job in the future with either the Packers or someone else, he wants to be out there. He wants to be playing. There's just no question about it. And uh, I, I understand from Brian Bulaga's standpoint why that would be so important to him. The Packers are trying to put together some continuity here down the stretch, get the offense back on track, and I'm sure he wants to wipe the bad taste out of his mouth from what happened against the 49ers last week. A little bit of news related to this, though. Jared Valdir, who had retired from the league, uh, joins the Packers. He's Right now he is on the exempt list uh, because he, he is uh, having to wait Because he was retired. So at a certain point, he will be back with this team. Uh, Probably couldn't contribute on Sunday anyway. He just joined the team in the last few days, and and especially with the holiday, has not had really any practice time with the team. But would give the Packers a significant upgrade in their number 3 offensive tackle. Alex Light was just not getting the job done. And I think that that was emphasized by Matt LaFleur saying, you know, we got to figure out how to get our best five on the field, which to me was a suggestion that Billy Turner was a potential option sliding him out to right tackle. Now it looks like Bulaga could actually play, and you have Valdir at the very least in the future as a potential uh, impact player if the Packers should need to go to him. I mean, the, the difference is Alex Light as an impact player, but in a bad way. And, and that's what I mean by impact. The difference in someone like Jared Valdir and Alex Light is an ocean. I mean, that is an ocean of gap between those two players. And to, to get someone of Valdir's quality, you know, he's not going to be an all pro. He's not going to be a pro bowl player. 
he would still be playing and, and hadn't likely retired had that been the case and certainly would have been on other teams' radars. He comes in now and gives you a more than capable backup offensive tackle. I don't think it changes anyone's long-term plans with Green Bay. Uh, it, it does bring into focus what the Packers want to do here. You know, it happened on the same day that Lane Johnson gets a monster extension, uh, becomes the the highest paid offensive lineman in the league and in league history, I believe. So Brian Bulaga is not going to get a deal like that, but it does underscore that top offensive tackles, which is what Brian Bulaga is, one of the best right tackles in the league, certainly one of the best pass-blocking right tackles in football, and that makes him valuable. So, you know, having him on the field, clearly better than not having him on the field. And if he's going to soldier through and play in these games with that injury, you hope it is not at the cost of potential long-term stability with him. And and I mean long-term stability being just this season. Uh, clearly, you never want a player out there if they are risking long, long-term stability. Uh, you know, whether it's, you know, something that could that could be serious and then all of a sudden he's got he's got an ACL tear or he's got a patella tendon tear or something like that. I mean, you you never want to put a player at that kind of risk. But all of that is part of this main point, and that is Green Bay's injury report for the Giants looks pretty good. They should have their full complement of players and how they deploy those players is going to be, you know, and then the success, the the execution from those players is going to go, you know, that's that's the thing. That is the thing. This team made too many mental mistakes on Sunday. It wasn't talent. It's not that the 49ers are so much more talented than Green Bay. It's that they weren't as prepared and they they did not execute as well. San Francisco executed and Green Bay didn't. And it's not about injuries. It's not about talent. It's not about who's on the field when. It's about what they're doing when they're there. And Green Bay just hasn't been good enough consistently. It's the same with the Chargers. I mean, we can talk about the travel all we want. It doesn't matter. The Chargers are not as good as Green Bay. And they haven't been all season. They played better than Green Bay that day. And that was a credit to L.A., but also a mark against Green Bay. Because they didn't come to play. They didn't execute. They didn't play with the energy and the intensity. And the same thing happened against San Francisco. They did not match the 49ers' intensity. They did not match their energy. They did not match their verve. And they didn't execute. And it's, it's you know, the energy thing, that's a little bit more, you know, that's a soft, subjective thing, right? Execution isn't. You can execute the hell out of a game plan and not necessarily be, you know, flying all over the field. The Patriots do this better than anyone. They just execute. They just execute. It's not flashy. They're not celebrating after plays. They're not high intensity, but they are high focus because they are high execution. And the Giants, on the other side of this, they have likewise struggled with execution all year, but they don't have the talent. And they are particularly not going to have the talent this week, Golden Tate, Evan Ingram, both their starting tight ends are out, and it's going to be you know a little bit of a skeleton crew on a team that is already not super talented. And so you put all those things together, and if you're the Packers, you have to feel like you should beat this team by two touchdowns. And that doesn't mean you come in without intensity. This is your opportunity to come in, 
play fast, play 100 miles an hour, knowing that if you make a mistake, it's probably not going to kill you because the Giants are just not good enough to make you pay consistently. Now, on the other hand, Saquon Barkley is an explosive back. One of the things Daniel Jones has been able to do this season is make throws down the field. Darius Slayton has emerged as a legitimate big play threat, and so Green Bay's defense is vulnerable in two places, against the run and allowing big plays. And so, you know, for as for as 2 and 90 as this team has been and the giveaways are too frequent Daniel Jones, I mean, the ridiculous fumbling problems and and interceptions, it's he's a rookie quarterback, so you you can do things against him. And Mike Pettin is going to is going to probably be aggressive against him. That is how Mike Pettin has has wanted to play against young quarterbacks in the past. Let's see if he can execute. Let's see if this Packers defense can execute. Let's see if there's any changes. Are there any changes? I wrote about this for Packer Report earlier in the week. Matt LaFleur, to open the season, said everyone is in a competition every week. And Lane Taylor losing his job to Elton Jenkins, albeit partially through injury, but Jenkins was already getting snaps. So let's see that mentality. Let's see the every spot is up for competition in action because too many players continue to be subpar. Geronimo Allison, by whatever metric you want to use, he's he's Andy Herman at Packer Report, his worst-graded offensive player. He's one of the least productive players on a qualifying basis. His EPA is an atrocity. I mean, he shouldn't be on the field at this point, given the way that he's played. Jake Kumaro, Alan Lazard, MVS, all of them have been better this year. He just, I, I don't, it doesn't matter. The veteran stuff, the the trust with Aaron Rodgers, it does not matter when you've been as bad as he is. And so if you're going to preach competition, then he can't be out there. And he's not. He's just not good enough at, at anything else for him to be out there. Now you have someone like Blake Martinez, similar issues. He's just not played well. The problem is you don't really have anybody to go to. And it's the, sort of the same with Jimmy Graham. You know, Big Bob Tanyan has been hurt, and so he hasn't been able to get out there. He he had been eating into Jimmy Graham's snaps, and I thought Jay Sternberger was going to get a chance to play. Clearly, they don't want to play with four tight ends, and, and I understand that. And, and Kevin King, most yards given up by a cornerback this season per pro football focus, and it's just they don't seem to have any interest in giving Kadar Holman or Josh Jackson or uh, Tony Brown his snaps. Even even just as a sort of rotation guy, he's he's done some rotating this season because of injury, but never because of play. And at a certain point, you're going, how can how can he continue to be trotted out there when you're supposed to have this idea of competition? He's not competing. He he's not being asked to compete. And and I know not everything that that he gets blamed for has been his fault. He's given up two touchdowns. I'm that really were not his fault. He he was supposed to have help to the middle of the field, didn't get it. And they resulted in long touchdown passes. Not necessarily Kevin King's fault. I understand that. And he's still a young player. I'm not going to give up on him by any means. But sometimes you need a, you need a kick in the ass. And we're going to see if Matt LaFleur and his coaching staff are willing to provide it. Before we get to Madeline, I want to talk to you about my bookie. I hope you got in on the action of the Bears-Lions game when they gave you a free bet. But they, if you didn't, they will still match your first deposit. This makes it so easy. They will give you money 
to bet with my bookie. You put money in, they will match it. So you have a jump start to your bankroll. They've got awesome customer service that can walk you through the process. Don't understand parlays and teasers. They have people that can help you understand how all of this works. They want to make it easy for you to bet. And that starts with that dollar for dollar deposit bonus. Right now, go to mybookie.ag and put in the promo code locked on, and they will double your first deposit. It is so easy. Why are you passing up on free money? Mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one two punch to keep your one two punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. All right, Madeline Burke covers the Giants for the team site. You can also see her on Sports Illustrated. You can see her on MSG Network, WFAN, all sorts of places. She is my former colleague at SI. Follow her on Twitter at Madeline Burke, Madeline with a Y and Burke with an E. Madeline, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. Thank you for having me. Let's start with the most pressing question of the week, and that is your favorite dish at Thanksgiving. Oh, man. My aunt makes this incredible uh, stuffing with, like, sourdough bread. Um, And it's just, yeah, it's to die for. And I will be, yeah, wearing an elastic waistband for the next week because of it. (laughs) (laughs) That is, uh, that sounds wonderful. Uh, Apparently, you're supposed to, you're supposed to break the bread, not cut it, too, with stuffing. Uh, That's just a thing that Allison Roman taught me. So, pro tip. I'll have to, I'll have to learn. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about something I I think far less pleasant, and that is uh, the Packers-Giants matchup. Neither team coming in looking particularly great and uh, maybe a little bit more predictable for one team than the other. But still, I think, you know, there was a lot of excitement about this Giants team, uh, particularly early in the season. Daniel Jones comes in and, and really looks good early on, and they haven't been able to sustain it to this point. Right now, if you were just going to sort of pinpoint one or two things, what is what is holding the Giants back right now? 
Well, I think there there are a few things. I mean, first of all, it's a very young team, um, mm-hmm. and they're they're kind of learning together and learning on a fly how to make adjustments and how to kind of work through this adversity. The other thing too, there have been a lot of injuries this season. I mean, Saquon Barkley. Uh, going down with that high ankle sprain, and he he really did come back pretty quickly. But I think any anybody watching is looking with that eyeball test, saying, "You know what? We know, and even he knows he's not 100 percent." But he is also a captain of this team and a really proud member of this team, and wants to, if he's able to, go out there and do his best to help this team. Um, but they are struggling to get this run game going. Um, and you know, Sterling Shepard missing five games with a concussion. Several guys going down with you know, concussions or what have you. Golden Tate is now in the protocol. I think there have been a lot of injuries, a lot of unfortunate uh, turns of events. And the other thing, too, is, is, you know, the Giants have gotten off to some really slow starts this season. Um, you know, you look at the last several games, they, they've, you know, been almost scoreless in the first quarter for the majority of them and really kind of late to get going. Um and that slow start has really been a factor in some of these games because they're playing from behind. But despite that, until really the third quarter, this team has been in it. And against some really formidable opponents, you know, they were in it against the Packers. They were in it against the Lions. They were in it against the Cowboys on Monday Night Football until an unlucky black cat ran on the field. So they, they have some <laughs> possibilities, but that's the thing. That's what separates a good team from a growing team is the ability to make those tiny adjustments and those the, the, those tiny, you know, those simple plays that make a difference between a win and a loss. And the Giants are still kind of figuring that out. Yeah. Do we know what the latest is with the Black Cats? Still have not found it? I don't know. I, I'm still unsure. It's, it's quite elusive, much like Saquon Barkley. So... <laughs> One of the things that I that I have really enjoyed watching this season is the development between Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton, who looks to be like a legitimate guy who can who can make plays and and be a meaningful part of your offense. Was was Slayton someone who you know you you noticed or 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 the coaches noticed in training camp as someone who could potentially be a factor this season? Yeah, I I have always thought Darius Slayton is going to be one of those guys that. Uh, people are going to know his name in a couple of years. He's going to be one of the big names in the NFL wide receivers. I believe uh, he's a speed guy out of Auburn. He came in in rookie mini camp and he just had the yips and it was, uh, mm. he couldn't catch a cold, but he made those adjustments. <laughs> and then by the time they got to mini camp and they got to training camp, he was clicking. And then unfortunately he suffered a hamstring injury that really, set him back for the beginning of the season. And I talked to him about that. And it was really interesting because he's a guy who's really fast and can rely on that. But with that hamstring injury, as he worked his way back onto the field, he was telling me he had to be a little bit more deliberate with how he used his feet. And that kind of forced him to focus on some of the other aspects of the route running and focus on some of the other details rather than just being like, you know, I'm Sonic the Hedgehog running down the sideline and catch me if you can. Um, and so, and I think that that uh, has helped him ease into it. His rookie season, he and Daniel Jones have developed a great chemistry, and uh, and also, you know, the absence of Golden Tate with that suspension and Sterling Shepard with the concussion has really kind of put Slayton in an opportunity to step up and have a lot more reps. And he's really made the most of it. He's one of those guys that even if he has three, four catches a game, he still makes a play that makes you go, okay, that that really helps this team. Yeah, he might have three catches, but it might be for 80 yards. That's just the kind of big playability that he has. On the defensive side of the ball, 
a number of young players. To your point earlier about how young this team is, I mean, Dexter Lawrence, DeAndre Baker, uh, Julian Love, Corey Ballantyne, they're playing a key role on this team. Even someone like Jabril Peppers, it's not like he is a veteran in the way Landon Collins was. Have Has there at least been signs of growth on a, on a defense that you know, does not have the marquee talent, but has a lot of good young players who you want to see sort of coalesce as the year goes on. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the way that this defense played last week against Chicago, I, I think it was a really you know, strong defensive performance for the most part. You know, there were some unfortunate plays and then there were some moments where, you know, Daniel Jones coughing up a fumble to Khalil Mack. I mean, obviously it's Khalil Mack, but that actually put the defense back on the field. They were on it for a little bit too long, but they were making some real progress. And in that secondary, they've struggled a bit. Julian Love got the most playing time he's had all season last week against Chicago in his hometown. And a lot of that came because Jabril Pepper suffered that injury. Um, but one thing about Love that I really like, a rookie out of Notre Dame, he played corner in college, but the Giants have been kind of converting him to safety a bit too. And he's been playing all over the field in the nickel and the slot. He's uh, extremely versatile and is really eager to just do whatever it takes. And, you know, asked about, hey, do you like playing safety or corner better? He says, I just like playing and whatever it is that I have to do to get on the field and be a part of this defense. And he made some really key plays for this Giants defense as well. Um, so I think he's kind of coming into his own. Um, Jabril Peppers and Antoine, but they have had really good communication and chemistry. And Peppers, yes, he's a young veteran but on this roster he's a bit of a veteran in that space um and then on that line too you talk about dexter lawrence coming out of a, a clemson d line that won two national championships and was kind of like you know a historic unit and he yeah. has really um meshed well and his versatility and his speed he is such a huge human being but mm -hmm. moves like like with such grace i'm just like how how are you that fast and that large it's almost mind-blowing but um really athletic and long and i think he's been coming into his own a little bit and then of course marcus golden another veteran guy you know he's coming off of a, an acl injury a couple of years ago and in 2016 he had a career high 12 and a half sacks he's already had seven and a half on the season so there are bright spots on this defense it's just one of those things again like I said earlier they have to do figure out what it is and make those little plays and those little moments that that tip it over the edge because it's it's always one or two moments a game where you're like oh if that would have gone the other way things would have been so much different because again this team has been in it they've just had yeah. some really unfortunate luck and and unfortunate decision making in some areas all right we're gonna get back to Madeline in just a second but before we do Let's talk about DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurant come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first meal of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. Matt Williamson brings the scouts perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk... 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, I just want to throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger, a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted 
And he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws. But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back to Madeline. I, th- I think that is uh, also emblematic of the kind of season that Daniel Jones has had. And I, I know the narrative around Jones stemmed a lot from the pre-draft process and the Giants selection, which you know had a very particular reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And then he played well early in the year and then has, has fallen off a little a little bit. I don't want to over exaggerate it because I think now, you know, everyone is we had the we had the narrative, we had the counter narrative, and now he's just a rookie quarterback. And it's almost like now he's he's in the place he should have been all along, and that is just a rookie quarterback. He's gonna make some mistakes and he's gonna make some throws. From my eyes, I see a player that has tools he's got to clean up the fumble issues in the pocket but that's a thing rookies do baker mayfield had problems fumbling the ball as well but no one said anything about that i still see a a player that i think can be a good nfl quarterback someone who throws a really pretty deep ball especially when when you see daniel jones and the progress that he's made or lack thereof depending on you know your perspective what are you seeing from him I think one of the things that I appreciate most about Daniel Jones is how even keeled he is and how, you know, mm. he takes this coaching and he it, he really tries, or not tries, but, you know, there are very seldom times where he'll make the exact same mistake twice. He's really cleaned up those interceptions. He hasn't had a pick in the last two games. The fumbles are still an issue. Um, but when you look at, you know, you look back to that Tampa game, the Buccaneers, when Daniel Jones starts, of course, he goes off and, and has an incredible game because there's no tape on him, you know? The, mm-hmm. the teams are preparing for an Eli Manning offense, and then you put Daniel Jones in, who's a, a lot more mobile, a lot more, uh, a, a little bit of a different quarterback. And so those first two games, of course, Daniel Jones looked like, oh my gosh, he's going to save the franchise because teams didn't have a lot of tape on what he looked like in this Giants offense. Now that teams are starting to prepare for him and understand what he brings, that's when the rookie is really going to start having to see, okay, this is what it's like. This is what it's like preparing for an NFL team, an NFL defense that knows what you're going to throw at them. And the good teams and the good players can walk into a stadium and say, I know you know exactly what I'm going to do, and I'm still going to execute it. And that's what he's learning. And that's what a lot of rookies go through. And a lot of rookies learn to say, hey, you know what my moves are, but I'm still going to execute them anyways. And he's getting to that point. He's making adjustments. He's learning on the fly. And it's tough. You know, it's easier to learn in the wake of a win than it is in the wake of a loss because you have that kind of positive energy going on around you. But he's an extremely patient guy and, you know, almost almost laughably similar to Eli Manning in the way he holds his press conferences and just very even keeled. But uh, I, I do agree with you. I think that there is a lot of room for growth and improvement. And I think his second and third year in this league are going to be uh, a tremendous growth from where we are right now. Yeah, the Eli Manning jokes almost sort of write themselves. So yeah. I, I look at this I look at this this young group of players, the offensive line that Dave Gettleman has put together, Saquon Barkley. Th- this group has not been healthy together, I think, at all this season. I don't think they've had their core, whether it's offensive line and skill position players together for one game, have they? I mean, I think this is a team that as a young group next year, the year after, they could really grow together and be something 
really dangerous. Well, up until uh, two weeks ago, the, the Giants had started the exact same five on offensive line together, but they had added Remmers and Zeitler this year, which are different from last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, with Saquon going out and all that and, and getting that run game going, and the other difference, too, with the Giants' run game this year, I think a lot of people neglect to see this, is with Eli Manning as the quarterback last season, he, you know, people almost laughed at how frequently he just checked down to Saquon Barkley, you know? And when Saquon is getting all these checkdowns, and it's not just, you know, the, the handoff or the RPO or the play action, he is also, you know, receiving it out of the flat and, and making making plays from that space. But now when it's more of like a handoff run up the middle play, it's a little bit different. He's running into traffic all the time. And it's like I compare it to basketball when, you know, a a shooter is having a shooting drought. You just need to see the ball go through the basket. He just needs to break Mm -hmm. off a nice run to get that confidence back. But when he's running into a stacked box or into traffic every game, he's having that frustration. And that on top of the fact that, you know, he's still playing with the roll of tape on his ankle trying to kind of get back there. And and uh, yeah. and so I think that, that that adjustment and that that frustration for the competitive guy that Saquon Barkley is and for the guy who's, who really wants to, to help his team win uh, is, is a tough one to, to navigate. Yeah, and, and to use another basketball analogy, it, you also need space. Right. And Saquon exactly. in space is as scary as any team or any player in the league and and to my point about this team not being healthy together, I mean, right. Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, and Sterling Shepard not being on the field together with Evan Ingram and, and all of the space that that would create, I mean, that closes down the the lane, so to speak, for Saquon Barkley to have space to just kill teams, which he does when he has space. Yeah, and then Evan Ingram and Red Ellison, you know, the one and two tight ends have been out, were out last week. And, you, you know, mm-hmm. you look at a lot of these plays, and it's not everyone, but it's always one, oh, that block, you know, you miss that block. There's always one spot that's not mm-hmm. cohesive in that. And it's not like the entire unit is failing, but at, at each of these points, you see, oh, that one, you, you got to get your man. So, um, yeah, it's definitely something that I'm sure they have gone over rigorously in film study. And, you know, it's just this, this team, they're accountable. They're taking accountability. They're, they understand that this is theirs to fix, and they just got to do it. Well, the Packers come in in a very similar position in terms of accountability, playing coming off a game where they they did not give uh, a great effort, did not execute, and both teams have to come in with a little bit of pride and a little bit of uh, fight and say, look, this is not how it's going down on Sunday. Uh, Madeline, this was awesome. Thank you so much for doing it. Uh, Let my listeners know where they can find all of the work that you're doing because you are you are ubiquitous. You are everywhere. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's a pleasure joining you. Yeah, I, uh, you can see the stuff that I do on Giants.com if you're in the New York area on MSG Networks. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Madeline Burke, M-A-D-E-L-Y-N. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast chatting. Video stuff all over, just just everywhere. It's the awesome. World Wide Web. It's worldwide. You know, it's world. It's worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> we got to be worldwide out here for sure. Uh, this is this is great. Uh, enjoy the game on Sunday, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line. All right, you too. All right, I want to thank Madeline again for joining the show. Always awesome to chat with her. I think the Packers win this game going away. I mean, I think this is 34-17. I think it's that kind of game. They get off the schneid. They have been awesome 
off losses. Uh, and, and not just because they've, they've won those games. They've gotten Aaron Jones involved. The defense has created turnovers. That's been the difference. When this defense plays well, and when they get the ball to Aaron Jones, they win games. And Aaron Rodgers is, you know, has been a driving force in a lot of these wins, and that's and that's great, and that's true. But the difference this season was supposed to be an improved defense, an offense that made life easier for the quarterback. And the the second part is the Aaron Jones part. He's got to be on the field more. He needs to be getting more touches. And and look, they they talked about it this week. The coaches, the players, they said, look, we didn't we didn't create big plays with Devontae Adams. We didn't run the ball well, and we didn't get the ball to Aaron Jones in space. Hopefully, a week after the self-scout, they have a better understanding of what they want to be, what they want to do, and they can they can execute it the next few weeks, and maybe they get a little creative. And they say, let's try some stuff, because these are two teams, you know, the next two weeks, Washington and New York, who they're just not very good. And so try some things. Try some stuff out. Go, you know, Dusty Evely had a great recommendation on Twitter the other day. He said, go the two running backs with two receivers and Mercedes Lewis as the tight end and run no huddle, run some tempo. And you can, you can go empty. You can go traditional. There's a million ways you can deploy that set. So give it a try. See what you can do. I, I love that idea. And this is a great week to do it. I'm, I'm surprised we haven't seen their two running back sets more often considering, you know, on that short week against Philly, that was supposed to be their bread and butter. It's like, why why do they look so traditional at times? And then other times they look so creative. And it seems like when they do the creative stuff, when they look a little bit different, when they look more like a Matt LaFleur offense, that is when they've been at their best this season. And so that's something, you know, I have, I have called for Matt LaFleur to be empowered to call his offense and worry less about Aaron Rodgers and his comfort level with the offense. Just just run your stuff because your stuff works. We've seen it. And I think Rodgers knows it, but they've they've played too traditionally at times, especially with Devontae Adams on the field. And I, I think the way to mix the LaFleur and Adams stuff is to, is to play more, is to play less traditionally because you can get Devontae Adams the ball in any offense. All right, we're going to be back Monday. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I hope you enjoy the game on Sunday. Back to a regular schedule next week uh, after the holiday and uh, a, a regular schedule the next few weeks as we approach Christmas. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.